the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You might say, who see? Who cares that I do this really minute kind of deal? When you feel like you've got so much to offer and you, you feel like you're just bursting inside and you're so much better than the job that you have now, why doesn't God promote you right now? Why does he just want you to plug away at something that's mundane and routine and, and we just look at the life of David? Significant or insignificant? These are concepts that can only be determined by the one making the judgment. What may be insignificant in one person's eyes may be very significant in another person's eyes. The difference is determined by the judge. Welcome to Verse by Verse. My name is Peter Silseth, and I am pleased to be with you today as we listen to Pastor Steve Kreloff conduct our ongoing study of the life of David. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His teaching ministry at Lakeside has grown to include these daily radio Bible classes that air each day, Monday through Friday. For so many people, jobs without lights or fanfare seem to be mundane or even boring. Yet these jobs that are performed behind the scenes make the project a success. Props, lighting, or sound don't get noticed or applauded, yet they are an essential part to the production fail to perform in any of those areas and see the chaos that is caused. So it was with David, who was thought by many, even his family, to be an insignificant shepherd boy. But he was noticed and counted worthy by God Almighty. God not only saw David's humility, he also saw his faithfulness to the task at hand. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us more of David's faithfulness. I remember I, uh, I ran for one office at Moody. It was, uh, there was a club called Pulpit Club. I, I ran for it, and I was uh, running against a freshman. I wasn't a freshman. You look down upon freshmen, you figure, I'll just beat this guy. I lost. I lost to this guy. It was one of the most um, embarrassing moments of my life. I remember I walked back to my dorm 14 flights of stairs because I, I was too embarrassed to even take the elevator. I was embarrassed. I know what it's like to be passed over. I, uh, I went to, uh, to them at Moody, and I, I, I appealed, and I said, uh, I'm going to be a pastor. I'd really like some experience in, in preaching. Could you give me some, uh, some good preaching assignments? They didn't. They, they gave me um, um, rescue mission. Not that it's not important, and, and where I went wasn't that it wasn't important, but it, was, it wasn't the cream of the crop that, that, you, that you wanted. They gave me nursing homes. They gave me rescue missions. They gave others opportunity to be Warren Wearsby's assistants. And that, that's the contrast. And that's true. That's true. 
And I remember being so discouraged, I went to the president of Moody and I said, Dr. Sweeting, uh, do you find that, uh, there, that if a student is not a leader here at Moody, which I wasn't, I said, do you find that there are late bloomers? That they get out of here and they become leaders? I was hoping he'd say, absolutely. He said, no, no, we don't find that. <laughs> no, he said, he said, you know, if you're not a leader here, I didn't tell him what I was going through. He said, if you're not a leader here, we find that you won't be a leader out of here. That's, that's what I thought. You think it ended there. It didn't. I became uh, on staff here a candidate to be the pastor at Lakeside. Uh, a lot of people thought I was too young. Um, a lot of people thought I was too inexperienced. And uh, a lot of people left over that. But I remember visiting uh, a family, a peer of mine. And you know what he actually said to me? He said, Steve, the reason that we don't want you to be the pastor is because he said, we don't just want a Bible teacher. We want somebody who will represent us well in the community. And I responded, you mean like Saul, tall, dark and handsome. That's exactly what he meant. It's exactly what he meant. I understand what, it, what it's like to be passed over. And uh, the truth of the matter is, if, if you can relate to this, you relate to David. What do you do in the meantime before God exalts you as you're, as you're in obscurity, as you're unknown, as no one knows, and you feel like you've got some things inside to contribute, but nobody's giving you that opportunity? What do you do? Well, for right now, you turn to Philippians chapter 2, which tells us what you do. You don't exalt yourself. You don't try to prove that everybody is wrong. You don't get bitter. What you do is what Paul told the Philippians to do. Philippians chapter 2, of course, keeping your place at uh, 1 Samuel 16, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude or have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, that although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. That is the thing to be held on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, too often we stop there. But the point that I want you to see is that the Bible says, be like Jesus who humbled himself. But watch verse nine. Therefore, God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, gave him the title Lord. Jesus, though he was God, gave him the title Lord Jesus. What's the principle? Humble yourself, serve others, and at the right time, God will exalt you. And uh, what you feel you've got so much to contribute, God will give you that opportunity if you humble yourself. I'll read to you some passages of Scripture. James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives greater grace. Therefore, God, God says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God will give you the strength to be a humble servant. He says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. First Peter chapter five, same truth, verses five and six. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and, to all, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. 
That's what you do. You wait upon the Lord. You don't exalt yourself. You wait upon God. As God looked into David's heart, he saw a man of humility. Saw a man who was not trying to to brag and impress others. Waited upon God. How about yourself? Are you humble? I'm sure you feel like, uh, Lord, I want to be more humble. If If you don't, then you've got a question if you really know Jesus Christ. That's the evidence of a new nature. Humility. Humility. And that's what it's about. Being a servant. Being a servant. That's what what a man after God's own heart is. That's what Jesus is like. There's a second character quality of a man after God's own heart. Not only humility, but also faithfulness. Faithfulness. Psalm 78 gives us real insight into what uh, God, one reason why God chose David and what he was looking for in a king. In, In Psalm 78... We read these, these wonderful words. It was not penned by David, by the way. It was by Asaph. And he says in verses 70, uh, verses 70 through 72, he also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from the care of the suckling lambs he brought him, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. You know what God means by this? When God went looking for someone who could take care of his flock, the sheep of of the house of Israel, he found somebody who was faithful to take care of somebody else's flock. David was a shepherd. David was a faithful shepherd over Jesse's flock. And if he would take care of Jesse's flock, then God knew that he would be faithful to take care of of God's flock. That's, That's the point. That's the point. A faithful person. Now, let's go back to 1 Samuel 16. And I want you to know how faithful and devoted David really was to these sheep, to these little sheep. Verse 16 of chapter uh, chapter 16, verse 11 says this. Samuel said to Jesse, are there any other children? Send them here and we're not going to sit down. This is verse 11. So he comes in. Notice verse 14. Now, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants and said to him, behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. And and I'll just go on to say that someone recommends David come in and he's a musician. He can soothe. He can be soothing to him. And then notice verse 19. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David. Watch this. Who is with the flock? Who's with the flock? You know what that means? We put it together. And when, when Samuel called for David, David was where? He was out with the sheep. He came in from the field, probably not smelling very good. Came in from the field. God said, this is the one. Samuel anointed him. They ate. Samuel left. The Spirit of God came upon David. Then what did David do? He went back to the field to take care of the sheep. That's a faithful man. He's just been anointed king. He goes back to the sheep. He didn't say, hey, let me try on some crowns. Where's the throne? I want to see if it fits well. He didn't go shouting to everybody in Bethlehem, I'm the new king. He went back to the sheep. 
It wasn't until a number of years later that, that David actually ruled over Israel, first over Judah and Benjamin, and then over all of, uh, all of the house of Israel. Which brings us to a very interesting point, a very interesting question. If God had chosen David to be king, why did he keep him in such relative obscurity all of those years? And he really did. Why not just promote him right away? And the answer is this. Because it's during those, those hidden years of obscurity that God was developing character qualities in David, even beyond what he, what he had. See, that's the thing for us. Why is it so important for you and I to be faithful in behind-the-scenes type of, of situations? You might say, who, see, who cares that I do this, this really minute kind of, kind of deal? When you feel like you've got so much to offer and you, you feel like you're just bursting inside and you're so much better than the job that you have now, why doesn't God promote you right now? Why does he just want you to plug away at something that's mundane and routine? And, and we just look at the life of David. For David, this devotion to his father's sheep gave him the opportunity to spend time alone with God to commune with God, to get to know him better, to meditate on his word. It also gave him the opportunity of, of understanding the relationship between a shepherd and sheep. If David was to be the shepherd over, over she of the house of Israel, he needed to know that God was his shepherd. And he wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Also, those quiet, quiet hidden uh, times also provided David opportunities to develop certain skills that, that would, uh, would help him, that he would need later on. For example, uh, David had all those hours to practice playing the harp. And when the time was right, he became Saul's musician. He was good. David also needed the time to master using a slingshot to kill Goliath. You don't just put that baby in there and do it. You have to practice. So, like David, these may be hidden, obscure years for you where you wonder, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because God wants you to learn the monotony of routine, faithful service. Unseen, unnoticed, unappreciated. You just carry on your work faithfully and use this time to cultivate a deeper walk with the Lord. Trusting Him. Develop certain skills. Get to know God better. Get to know how to serve him faithfully. Because Jesus said in Matthew 25, he said this, verse 21, if you are faithful in little, I'll give you much. You reverse that. If you're not faithful in little, why is God going to entrust you with more? If you can handle the few sheep that God gives you, why is he going to give you a whole nation, David? That's, that's his point. God may be preparing you for something that's much bigger, something that's much deeper, and he has a reason why you're hidden right now. You know, there are some Christians who have big dreams of future service. Big dreams. They're going to do great things for God in the future. But they're not faithful today. They're not faithful in the little things. They can't handle the little things. They can't stand being faithful and being obscure and being unknown and unappreciated. It goes back to humility. They want big Sunday school classes. They want big Bible studies. They want big ministries. But they're not willing to do the little things that will cultivate a heart for serving God. So if that's your case, then you need to do whatever God wants you to do in obscurity first. 
So as God looked upon David's heart, he saw humility, saw faithfulness. Thirdly, as God looked into David's heart, as he looks into our hearts, he ought to see, certainly saw this in David, a heart of obedience. The only time the New Testament mentions David being a man after God's own heart, it adds a phrase that gives us insight into what God meant. And that's in Acts chapter 13. Paul is giving a sermon. He's explaining the history of Israel. Obviously, has to deal with, with David. And he says in verse 21, they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. Watch this. A man after my heart. And here's that extra phrase who will do all my will. It's not found in the Old Testament. He'll do all my will. It's found in the New Testament. Gives us great insight. In other words, to be a man after God's own heart is to be an individual committed to obedience. Obedience. To do the will of God. That's the way David was. In spite of the fact that he had some moral failures, in spite of the fact that there there were uh, sins in his life, David was a man characterized by devotion and obedience to the Lord. He was going in in the right direction. He had a longing to please God. He delighted to please God. In fact, it says in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, thy laws within my heart. Psalm 119, he just pours forth praise by saying, God, I want to obey you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin is such a burden to me. In Psalm 42, verse 1, he said, "As as the deer pants after the water brooks, my soul pants for you, God. I have a passion to obey you. He, he was so committed to obedience that he memorized the word. He meditated upon the word even at night. David was an obedient man. In his book on, on David, author Philip Keller writes this about David's heart of obedience. He writes, God does not see as man sees. He does not measure character by charisma. He does not defer to human values. God's chief criterion for selecting special servants, servants for mighty purposes is... Are you willing to do my will? This is the acid test. Despite all of an individual's other failings, if above all else he has, been, he has his, his uh, consuming desire to be a man after God's own heart, then he will be lifted above the turmoil of his times in great honor. Hey, is this your consuming desire? You say, well, I don't even know what the will of God is for me. That's the whole point. Are you willing to do the will of God before you know what the will of God is? You can't be selective in the will of God. You either want to please the Lord out of, out of uh, love for him, or you don't. A motive of pleasing him. David delighted in doing God's will. Is that the delight of your heart? Doing the will of God. You know what? God is still looking for men and women, young people, after his heart. Those who want to be like him. How do I know that? I close with this. Don't close your minds, though, with this scripture. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 16. Is God still looking for people with the right heart? Sure. Second Chronicles, chapter 16. This would be a great verse to memorize and apply. Verse nine. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God wants to support those whose hearts are his. That is to say, God wants to give you grace and strength. He looks 
throughout the earth into our hearts. What does he see when he looks into your heart? Does he see humility and a desire to be more humble? Does he see faithfulness and a desire to be more faithful? Does he see obedience and a desire to be more obedient? I hope so. But let me just warn you, the emphasis today in many Christian circles is not on what we've just talked about. It's on externals. It's on how you look on the outside, how you come across. I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, we're going to raise up a generation of little Pharisees who are just looking good on the outside. They say the right words, they go through the right motions, but inside their heart, nothing's cooking. How do you develop these qualities? How do you develop godliness? Well, you gaze upon Jesus Christ. Great principle in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18, which basically says, as you look into the perfect law, as you gaze upon the Lord, the Spirit of God, as you look into His Word, you look upon Christ, the Spirit of God is in the process of changing you into His image. As you look upon Jesus Christ and the, and the character qualities in his, his life, and you apply those character qualities to your life, and you cry out to God in prayer and communion with Him, God is changing you. You may not see it. Others will see it. If you see it, it'll, it could... Uh, result in pride, so God doesn't let you do that. You'll say, I'm, I'm just a worm, Lord. And others will say, but I see you making progress. Spending time with Him. Do you want to be like Him? When God looks at your heart, does He see those qualities? Or does He, when He looks at your heart, see rebellion? No desire to obey Him. You see, here's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. A believer delights to do the will of God. When he doesn't, his sin is a burden. It's just a burden. Can't stand it. Hates his sin. An unbeliever, on the other hand, will do on occasion some things that are good, but he can't stand it. That's a burden to him. He really loves his sin. He's not convicted of his sin. He really doesn't, isn't bothered by it. He is bothered about the good things he does. That's a burden to him. But a believer delights to do the will of God. He's burdened by his sin. When God looked in David's heart, he saw a regenerate heart. This is the evidence of being a believer. God said, this is the man I want. When he looks at your heart, does he see a regenerated nature? Or does he see just complete rebellion? If he does see complete rebellion, then you need to come to Jesus Christ for salvation. You need to be changed. You need to get a new heart. A new inner man. The real you. And God can do that. Let's just bow in prayer right now. Our eyes closed. This is, this is the time where you get to respond to the word. This is a time of quietness. I'll be quiet in just a moment. This is a time of worship. This is a time where you respond. This is a time for you to cry out and say, Oh God, I'm not as humble as I should be. Help me to be a servant. Who, who are you serving? Where do you minister in this church? Are you living for yourself? Does everything rotate around you? Too busy to serve others? There are so many needs. You want to serve people? You want to serve those who can't serve you? Go into the able ministry. Help with salt and light. See somebody who needs a meal. Make it, bring it over there. Incredible needs. How about faithfulness? You want to be a leader? 
I tell you, you got to be obscure first. You want God to use you greatly, and you take care of the little sheep first. Little sheep who never say thank you, never appreciate you, unknown, hidden. The right time, God will exalt you. You got to be faithful. I want something big. You got to be faithful to something small first. Don't do it for that motive. What are you like when nobody sees you? That's the hidden times. What, are you really faithful? What do you like when you're not in church? How about obedience? Is obeying the Bible a real, real drag to you? It's a real burden, or is it a delight to your heart? Do you meditate on Scripture? David said, "May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable to you." Because when you when you meditate on the truth, you're going to obey the truth. Let's just be still and quiet before Him, and you cry out to Him. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for that challenging message. This has been Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff. These programs are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. There you can learn more about Verse by Verse and how you can help us stay on the air. We also have all of our classes available online so that you can listen to them or download them for later. This segment concludes the first message on David, a man after God's own heart. If you would like to hear it all at once, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette. Remember, humility and faithfulness are two three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.